Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I am your host, Rhett Rutherford, and baseball is back. I am joined again on the pod today by Danny Russell. And uh, Danny, we, we found out last night that everything, or at least almost everything, was worked out between the owners and the Players Association, and we are going to see baseball in 2020 next month. Uh, initial reaction when, when you heard the news. Initial reaction is just finally, right? It was never a question of whether or not baseball was coming back. I know that there are virus concerns and we will get into it, but it was never a question of if baseball was going to happen. The question is, would it be via negotiation, as you said, through the two parties, or would it be because it was just mandated, because it was implemented by MLB and it was implemented? That's Mm -hmm. the point that we got to. Yeah, and it's it's not what I think many people wanted. It's definitely not what the players wanted. But when they started to come out and say it, tell us when and where, uh, it was pretty clear that was the direction in which the negotiations were headed. And we're getting 60 games, which I think is a bit of a shocker uh, when, when we started to hear rumors that Manfred might have to unilaterally impose a season that it was going to be either 48 or 50 games, which 60 games is only 10 more. But at least on the surface – I don't know, it feels like much more of a, of a real season than, than 50 would. It certainly does, and I'm appreciative of that as well, because as we saw, as MLB would offer a certain number of games to occur as we were going through the months, if you, the listener, were following those various proposals as they occurred, you're more than welcome to have not paid attention. <laughs> it is minutiae at this point. Uh, but MLB kept on offering 70 games or something like that, but they were only paying out to the players, 50 games worth of salary. So every time, no matter how many games were in the proposal, it was 50 games worth of pay. So 5-0 was the expectation for an implemented season. But as you said, the players stood their ground and they didn't even accept the fourth proposal because it was the same amount of money all over again. And they said when and where all the players across social media are just tweeting out, putting on Instagram, when and where, tell us when to show up. And it was interesting because we got into a new level of negotiation, which was not the intent of saying when and where. It was demanding an implemented season from Manfred. And MLB came back to the table and tried to make it a negotiation again. And I think we should talk about why. Because when they came back, they offered 60 games uh, with some very reasonable pay, uh, a pretty strong playoff pool of funds going to the players. Um, but the players didn't just accept. They actually counterproposed back to MLB 70 games. So they went up 10. And it's really interesting to see how that, if you paid close attention, those last two offers came in after the one and where demand, it fell apart. And it's because there were different uh, demands being snuck in there, like we will not sue each other. <laughs> uh, and things that different parties weren't willing to let go of or expanding the playoff roster and playoff teams that get into the playoffs and ideas like that. Um, here we are, 60 games ends up being the number that's stuck. We are fortunate for that, I agree with you. Because it always seemed like MLB only wanted 50 games for two reasons. One, because they need to satisfy all of their national contracts during the regular season. There are a certain number of games they are obligated to deliver on. If MLB could have had a 20-game season and then move on to the playoffs, they would have. Because playoffs (laughs) are where the owners make their money. Right. It's those giant contracts. In the middle of all these negotiations, TBS rolls out a billion-dollar deal 
for a small portion of the playoffs. It's absurd how much MLB makes off of uh, playoff revenue. So they would have gone as, as few games as possible. 60 does feel more like a real baseball season. And the other reason would be, of course, the virus. We are at risk for a derailed season. Yeah, and before we get into that, talking more about what the 60-game season will be like, in in the rules of of the game specifically, haven't quite been ironed out to completion, but the Rays' schedule obviously completely out the window, the one that was released um, way back when, feels like forever ago. We're going to see the Rays play a lot of baseball within the AL East, uh, 40 of their 60 games against in-division opponents. And mm-hmm. then those last 20 games are going to come from the NL East. Uh, and I think the majority, not the majority, but the opponent they'll see the most from the National League East will be the Marlins, which are considered their, uh, their uh, interleague rivals, the Citrus Series. Right. Uh, the current uh, proposal, the way it seems to shake out, is so we will get 10 games apiece for the in-league, oh, sorry, in-division in-league opponents so 10 against the yankees 10 against baltimore 10 against boston 10 against toronto who might be playing out of dunedin and yeah might be (laughs) be right down the street also they might actually be playing out of tropicana field that's an interesting wrinkle to this where if the uh, canada's team can't be crossing the border uh, then they might actually use Tropicana Field. And that's kind of in development. We don't know if that's what's going to happen. Tropicana Field is certainly big enough that they could set up a different Blue Jays section of the concourse that becomes where all of their lockers are. The, the stadium's not going to be open to the public in any way, right. shape, or form. So I imagine it's possible that two teams could treat Tropicana Field as a home field if they're also using their spring training complex as well uh, for the taxi squad and what have you. Um, but those 10 games, very minimal travel there. Uh, as far as the other 20, it looks like two teams get four games. So uh, most likely Miami. And then probably the closest other team in the NL East. So I'm guessing Atlanta mm-hmm. would get four games against the Rays. And now, not clear if they're going to go two and two for a home and home, if they would just play all four in one stadium. Uh, that's TBD, I think. Uh, but I don't think it would be unreasonable if it was all four in one location or the other. And then three games apiece for the other three teams. And, and I don't know if, if, if this has been worked out or announced by Major League Baseball, but the playoff, the amount of teams going into the playoffs or the postseason uh, is the same amount of teams. You're getting 10 teams, or ten, uh, 10 teams total going mm-hmm. into the postseason. Are the wild cards going to be awarded the same? Because, I mean, there's huge implications in terms of what's going to happen, you know, if, if the AL East are playing only the NL East or the AL West is playing only, only the NL West, that could put the Rays, I think, at a pretty big disadvantage if they don't win the AL East. Right. It could be. I mean, who knows? 60 games is also just such a small sample size. If 60 games was last season, the Nationals never make the playoffs and they won the World Series. Right. So, this is really going to be a crapshoot and the rosters could be in incredible flux. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to have 60 guys um, in uh, spring training 2.0. Uh, I know there's some other nicknames like summer camp uh, that have been thrown around because they're reporting on July 1st. So not really spring training. And then when the season starts, the, the Rays are allowed to have 30 players on their active roster. And eventually that's going to dwindle down to 26 
which I thought was almost a bit backwards, and they're not even allowed to expand the rosters in September. Now, they, you know, the, the rule is going to be implemented in 2020 that you can only expand to 28 instead of the usual 40, which is quite a bit ridiculous. Um, so I thought 28 was fine, but they're not even allowed to do that this year. That, doesn't that seem a little bit backwards that the, they're going to dwindle the rosters down as the season goes on? Well, we'll have to see what the virus does because there will be a COVID-specific injury list this season with no limitations for when a player gets added to it. And the player pool from which you can pull from is 60 players long. So yeah. the Rays by this weekend have to implement uh, what their 60 names will be. Uh, but then who knows what happens? What if a player needs to you know, permanently exit the season for mm -hmm. some way, shape, or form? Um, what happens to that? Do you, do you get to add another catcher to those 60 names if one of your catchers went off? It's really not clear what's going to happen. And I'm just calling it now. I'm saying the rules are up for debate and change. 100%. They, 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 and they need to be because there's still so much unknown about the virus currently. And with cases shooting up in the state of Florida, there's, you know, a lot of unknowns about what the numbers are going to look like before the season even starts. Mm -hmm. and what's interesting to me is I don't, I don't expect anyone to, to uh, you know, manipulate this rule, but you can put a player on the, I don't know what to call it, the COVID-19 list. I don't know if they're going to have a specific name for it, but even if they've been exposed to the virus. So it'd be interesting to see if, uh, you know, a reliever goes three innings one night and then, oh no, he was exposed to the virus. We've got to throw mm -hmm. him on the list and bring up another player. I don't know if anyone will manipulate that rule, but it is something to keep an eye on. The, the other thing to, to really look out for is what are going to be the rules and regulations regarding players lives when they're not at the ballpark now you look at the nba who is trying to get their season restarted in orlando and the players will be in a bubble they'll be staying uh, at a walt disney world resorts do you know if, if the players are going to be restricted to staying in certain areas or not being able to see family as much when major league baseball restarts right now the answer is no and it will be up to the players themselves to kind of police themselves now, there might be team-specific guidance that comes out and rules, but we've already seen some interactions with uh, uh, players and the media where they've kind of said, yeah, we've got a group chat going. We're holding each other accountable. We're accepting that our social life takes a hit for three months in order to get this thing done. A lot of players are saying uh, what you would hope to hear <laughs> in mm -hmm. terms of uh, self-preservation and safeguarding. But it's going to be interesting to see how this evolves because – if Florida continues to go down the path that it's going on, and as we're recording, uh, the most recent COVID case was 5,000 plus in Florida in a single day, which is a state record, and that is trending up. Who knows what it's going to look like for uh, the Rays to be having their spring training complex an hour down the road, and then uh, being in St. Pete. Uh, this, this could take an ugly turn, and perhaps... Um, you know, there starts being strict guidelines around your food gets delivered <laughs> by somebody else and you don't go to the grocery store. Um, it's Which poses a question is if you need these restrictions in place, should baseball be returning, you know, at this point? Fair point. But also, I think it's not unreasonable to just lean into it. And what I mean by that is... Uh, everyone's going to get the virus eventually. I don't mean that to be dismissive. You'll mm -hmm. either get it 
uh, through transmission or you'll get it through a vaccine. That's mm -hmm. the reality that the CDC has laid out before us. Uh, we engage in our social distancing to slow the spread until we reach the vaccine and to keep the strain on the hospitals low. Yes, we get it. We understand. I'm not a doctor. Uh, that's not what Neither I mean by I. talking about it. But uh, that's not to say that you can't have uh, occupational workplaces, right? Right. You just need to take the necessary steps or precautions. Now, other people would say um, you can compensate your employees more to make up for the absorbed risk, right? And that would be hazard pay. And that's where it's interesting that the MLB Players Association did not give up the right to sue. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if you look at a player like Blake Snell, who said it's not even worth it to play this season uh, because I want to stay as far away from the virus as possible. I think it'll hurt my lungs as a professional athlete. I can't even go there. And this week we'll find out if any players opt out of playing this season at all. And that is a decision that needs to be respected uh, because we don't know what their home lives are like. We don't know who their loved ones are. We don't know uh, who is at risk or if they even have their own at-risk complications that could make them more susceptible to the adverse effects of the virus, right? So personal decisions to be made. But if necessary safety precautions are being taken, it is possible to return to work. And this is an entertainment business, but it's also an entertainment business. So I don't mm -hmm. think it's unreasonable. No, and, and as long as it is safe for the players and, and those involved with the league, I, I'm very happy to see baseball back. And I was very concerned about the implications that a 2020 without a season would have on the future of the game, especially. And we keep saying it, it's kind of looming in there in the background. The CBA, CBA negotiations are coming up very quickly. And uh, that was, I think, one of the biggest reasons that the negotiations between the league and the Players Association took so many nasty turns and uh, we're just gonna have to wait and see because uh, like we said we have no idea what the virus is going to look like in Florida or around the country by the time uh, July 23rd or 24th which is going to be the new opening day right right staggered over two days yeah and which which kind of sucks you know I like opening day everyone plays but maybe that'll means more more games on tv more games I can sit down and watch and, and you mentioned the uh, Blake Snell and how he said it wasn't going to be worth it to play the season. And, and we're going to hear from Kevin Cash and Eric Neander shortly when they first spoke to the media after it was announced that baseball will be coming back. Um, but, but Neander did uh, kind of say, I think he mentioned it specifically, that as of right now and at the time of recording, no player on, within the Rays organization has indicated that they will opt out of playing in 2020. Yeah, and that decision has to come, I believe, by Friday. Mm -hmm. in order uh, for the union to uh, based on the timeline that they've agreed to so we might have some news about that and then we also have the 60 name roster that needs to be finalized by sunday so that's an evolving picture and on that press conference that we'll play in a moment blake snell does not come up the only specific players that come up are those that have to travel back from asia that are coming back to the united states and that gets discussed a little bit but it's very clear that the virus is what is front of mind how this season is going to work, how the rosters are going to be built. Uh, and it was really nice to have both Eric and Kevin on the call and to hear what their perspectives were on building a roster and the precautions that you take, not only for your organization, but just as people. I was able to ask Eric about whether or not health was going to become a competitive advantage for teams if those teams are able to keep their players healthy or able to keep those 
players self-quarantine. And he pivoted in a great answer that said, it's not just about having a competitive advantage. Like, sure, there might be one if you keep the virus away out of your roster, but the reality is we need to be looking out for each other as a society. And I really appreciated his perspective. Both him and Kevin had wonderful clarity of thought on that. And this press conference was an open call. There was like 30 or 40 journalists on the call. <laughs> uh, it's a little over 20 minutes, but it's really great to hear all the questions that came in. And I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah. And before we throw it over there, one more point on what Kevin Cash said, uh, the Rays are going to utilize their depth this year and they haven't really gotten into the nitty gritty about how they're going to, you know, manage in game, but it's something that the Rays always kind of hang their hat on. It's their depth and the way the game is going to change and the games are going to look and feel and play a lot different this year. Uh, I, th I think that's something that the Rays have uh, in, in their favor, but uh, without further ado, this is uh, Kevin Cash and Eric Neander speaking to the media uh, earlier today on the day of recording. Uh, okay, I'll go first. Uh, Eric, maybe first, and then Kevin, just, just as you process all these things that are now in front of you, I'm, I know you're excited and eager to get back at it, but how do, you, how do you go about this challenge? It seems pretty monumental to get all this done in less than a week. Uh, it it, it uh, beats the heck out of the alternative, so <laughs> we'll keep it in the right perspective and uh, thankful to, to have the opportunity to, to sort through this. So obviously, you're talking about something where we're essentially going to have to reprogram our entire operation um, outside of the rules of the game itself on the field to make this work, but um, we're, we're going to find a way to make it happen. So it's uh, yesterday was busy. Today is extremely busy and, and that's only going to continue here um, until we get off the ground and, and find our way through this. But uh, yeah, a lot of communication, uh, a lot of awaiting word from the league on, on the specifics of the, the health and safety protocols in that final, final version. Um, but, but we're ready for it. And a lot of people are, we've got a lot of energy stored up to, uh, to put into this here. Hey, Eric, uh, this is Dwayne. Uh, aside from a recurrence of, of the pandemic, in terms of preparation, uh, what's your biggest concern? Um, I don't know if it's a, I, I, I suppose it's fair to call it a, hi Dwayne first, uh, good to see you, and uh, I, just the unknowns of everything that's been going on from a, a workload, a prep standpoint, um, we've never, we've never sat idle for months like this after getting to spring training, uh, and now it's the, managing the excitement, you know, and everything that comes with it is just kind of managing the throttle through this quick buildup. And then we hit the gas, we go, and we're in this uh, rather intense sprint for, for 60 games <laughs> before the postseason. And the, the expectations for our group are really high. So just you, you want to make sure – we'll look back. I'm sure there are a lot of things we'll wish we had done differently. But you're just trying to manage this group and everything that goes into a season that's unlike any we've ever experienced before. But our guys have been great. We've, we've communicated as much as we can. And it's, that's, that's probably the biggest concern is just the unknown of all this. Eric, is there a priority? I mean, the roster would seem like a fairly high-level situation given it's due on Sunday at 3 o'clock. And how do you figure out who the best – not maybe the best 60 players, but the 60 players that will serve you best? There's probably a distinction there. Yeah. Um, as far as 
priorities, uh, determining the specifics of the facilities, how they'll be available. Number one, determining the staff that we're going to have. Um, as of right now, we're expecting to use Tropicana Field in Port Charlotte, but how to staff that appropriately. Number two and number three being the players and, and um, the group that, that we're going to have on hand. It's one, two, and three, but they all have to be done one, one, and one <laughs> right now. So uh, that's, that's the, the focus. Um, yeah, look, even, even the roster considerations you're talking about, um, it's at least our understanding at present that, you know, we're looking at a roster that is likely to open at 30 and then make its way to 28, 26 as we progress. So that even changes some of the thinking in terms of how we go about that. So um, uh, we got a pretty good idea. You know, I think the focus will be on the players that are most likely to help our major league team this year, and we'll work our way down from there. And um, having spring training under our belt, uh, we're going to kind of pick up with what we learned from from those experiences with the group and uh, fill it out as we see fit. But nothing, nothing's been finalized, but we obviously have to get there in short order. Eric, uh, just quickly, I, I know the, the report came out that Charlie Blackman became the first big leaguer to test positive for uh, COVID. Uh, can you just go through, you know, you guys, I'm assuming you guys have had nobody uh, in the organization uh, test uh, positive. Uh, can you go through like how, how fortunate you feel, uh, you know, that you were able to go through this now month of, uh, of workouts and not have to worry uh, about a guy testing positive? Yeah, so um, a few things on that, and this might give you an idea of how buried we've been in our own prep. Um, I, I was yet to see the the Charlie Blackman news, so I'm not. Uh, and I hope that 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 he's okay um, and and is and is recovering and healthy. I, I don't even know the, the the timeline on on whatever has been been out there right now, just because of how much we've been focused on our own stuff. Um, I will say uh, we have, we have been really fortunate with the workouts and everything that we've had that we have not had any any positive tests, and we've been able to maintain those as we've gone along. Um, uh, out of, over the last couple of months, within our the entirety of our organization, we have had uh, a few cases um, that that have come up. It's a small number. Um, we followed all the protocols and uh, everything that that we needed to do from a CDC MLB standpoint. And thankfully, um, the outcomes have all been very favorable. Um, and obviously, uh, just out of an abundance of respect to the the privacy of you know staff, players, et cetera, not going to elaborate any further on that. But like I said, our workouts, everything has been. We've been fortunate in that regard. We've been able to keep them going, and uh, at this point, hope that uh, that's able to continue as as we get ramped up here, and, uh, and you know, I guess with a, a greater number of players. Uh, Kevin, just how how beneficial have the the voluntary workouts been in terms of just kind of getting a blueprint of what it looks like to kind of follow some of these protocols as you guys get ready for next week. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, th I think it's been very helpful. It's certainly been beneficial for the players and <clears throat> getting them built up. But we've learned a lot over the last month on, you know, implementing some of our own protocols and then also following some of the protocols with MLB over the last uh, three, four weeks. And assume that a lot of those are going to stay in place a as we get ramped up. Now we're talking about uh, potentially – you know, 40, 60 guys, whatever it is, being at two, uh, broken between two facilities, um, this will help us. There's still plenty of stuff that we're waiting to um, con or continue to 
receive more and more information on. Uh, but our players, they, they've been tremendous in the, the buy-in that we've received from them, from all of stadium ops, the people that are at the TROP, and then the players coming in and getting the workout. Everybody you know, to a man, woman, they've, they've, they've really all been so respectful of all the protocols that we've, we've tried to put in place to keep uh, everybody in the organization healthy. Uh, this is for Kevin or Eric, but let's start with Kevin. Um, obviously, you have tons of experience utilizing a 40-man roster in a regular baseball season, and assuming that you and Eric and the, and the front office team in general and the coaching staff have gone through over the last, let's say, 30 days, knowing that it's going to be some type of a shortened season, I'm just curious how different you think the strategy is going to be day in, day out, utilizing everybody on the roster that you have access to compared to in, let's just say, a regular 162-game season? Well, I can be honest with you. We haven't spent a ton of time about uh, game management and all that stuff yet. I mean, that's going to speed up real quick for us. I will say I think that we're fortunate that that's the approach that we've taken year to year, year in, year out. We use our, our 25-man roster. We use our 35-player you know, player pool of depth. Uh, we know we went into this season assuming it was going to be 162 games with that in mind. And I think our change, uh, our players have shown – uh, and we have shown as an organization, we're going to prioritize uh, doing everything we can to win that game today. Uh, and then we'll see where that lands us uh, the following day. So I don't think there will be many changes on that. Certainly we'll have talks uh, and, and a lot of fun discussions that we've all probably missed uh, over the last three months. Uh, but I think we're fortunate that, that, that that's the mindset that we've taken for quite some time. Yeah. Um... Not Rich, not much to, to add above and beyond what, what Kevin said. Um, you know, a lot of our success has been built on adaptability, you know, amongst our staff and, and our players, and that's only going to be more the case this year. But um, we've, we've, we've had plenty of reps with that over time, and we're, we're excited to have those conversations as we progress here. Hey, Kevin, what's, was there a workout today at the drop? And if so, what was kind of the mood? Um, with some of the guys there, and if not, what's kind of been the mood with some of the guys that you've talked to over the phone? Uh, the, 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 there was a workout. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there was a workout. Uh, the mood was upbeat and positive. Uh, we actually had a good work day. We've kind of uh, Charlie and Yarbs both through like a, a simulated games to two hitters back and forth. One of our bullpen catchers caught. Uh, and then Yanni and Nick Anderson did the same. And then we, you know, I left to be on this call and they're finishing up around to BP with uh, a group, two groups of two. Um, certainly a positive vibe in the air today uh, or in the building today. Uh, I think there's genuine excitement. Uh, we know what's been taking place over publicly over the last month, and I don't think anybody's been overly excited by it. Uh, but today there was some some exciting uh, and smiling faces. Hey, Kevin, following up on, on, on the pitching, and I know you'll get, uh, you know, these next three weeks to, to ramp guys back up, but uh, focusing on the, on the five main starters and I guess even throwing uh, Brendan McKay in there, could you get us up to speed on where they're at individually in their throwing programs and are some guys closer to being uh, starter ready, whether that be, you know, four or five, six uh, innings compared to others among that? Yeah. Um, 
the, the guys you listed, uh, most of them we've seen. Um, and, and then uh, with the exception of, you know, Glass went out and worked out in Arizona uh, and Blake went home, uh, but they've been keeping up their reps, their bullpen sessions, their up and down sessions. Um, we won't have a definitive answer until we, we kind of get our hands on them and let Joe binge uh, our medical group and, and then Kyle see where they're at. Uh, but so far, it certainly seems like they've done a great job of staying in shape uh, for us to get three innings of work uh, today, whatever what is on the 24th of J June for three different guys, uh, we're in the right direction. Hey, Kevin, going back to uh, just the concept of how you guys are going to figure all this out. I mean, you're, I'm sure there's a lot of excitement, but also a monumental amount of work. I mean, how, how do you think you'll handle spring training workouts as far as getting guys work and, and eventually forming a roster out of that group of guys? Yeah, I think the best thing that we can do right now is kind of not get too far ahead of ourselves and take it step by step. And as we get information and as we, uh, you know, make our own decisions as far as protocols and what we think is best in, for the health and safety of the players and the, all the staff, um, we're, we're probably going to learn a lot in the first week. And I think we'll be more informed after one week than, than we were coming in um, and, you know, as far as roster decisions, I don't, I don't, I really don't think that's going to be any different than once we get underway uh, a normal spring. And the fact that we're going to have countless discussions, and Eric and and his group, our group, we're, we're going to put our heads together and come up with what we think is going to give us the best chance to to win right out of the gate. Um, but it's, it's spring training. It's going to be different. It'll be challenging. I mean, you guys have read the same protocols that I've read and the same thoughts about limiting exposure and players and, and all of those things. All of that will be factored in and taken very seriously, and we will follow those protocols as best as, uh, as we can. Do you, can you envision how it's going to look yet? I mean, are guys going to be there like in shifts all day and it's going to be like a 10-hour day or pitchers and catchers the first week and that kind of stuff? I don't have uh, – I think it's fair to assume that there will be shifts. Um, but that's, you know, one of the things that we're still waiting for some more clarity on. Uh, I, I've heard five players. I've heard ten players at a time. Uh, different, you know, on, on the field, in the weight room. All of those things will be factored in. But I, I think we're going to get uh, plenty of guidance uh, in the next 24, 48 hours from MLB and know that our guys will probably talk. I mean, I'm going to talk to different managers throughout uh, the industry and, and get a sense for what, what they're hearing and what they're contemplating doing. Thank you. Hey, Eric, we know, it looks like G-Man is back in the United States. Is there any update on Yoshi and kind of what his plan is on, on returning? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uh, received a message from his agent Joel Wolf last night, just letting me know that he told Yoshi it's it's time to go. So, um, have not had any updates this morning. I haven't had any conversation with anybody yet, but uh, would would assume that he's he's preparing to to head back over here um, immediately. So that's that's the latest. Um, Cashy, have you heard anything here? And it's been it hasn't been that. But he's he, – and that's been – as soon as there's an agreement, he was going to be ready to head over here. That's the expectation. No reason to believe anything but that. Eric, I'm curious, as, as we see baseball kind of get started again, how it kind of coincides with this spike that we're seeing locally with more positive cases, 
how you kind of reconcile that or how you view moving forward into this climate where it seems like there's a resurgence of this, like how cautious mentally do you move forward? Well, I, I, very cautious. Um, look, we have had a few conversations with players and, and, and staff already. I think the mindset of our groups in, a, in, a, in the place where it needs to be that we're going to have to be really careful, you know, in order to, to have a season to get this off the ground, to play the games, to go go through this is, um, you know, some of the the cases and the like, what we're seeing going on right now, we're going to have to be extra cautious. We're going to have to be disciplined. There's going to have to be some sacrifices made, um, you know, all in, you know, <laughs> for the spirit of trying to give our team a chance to compete this year and to get this season in. So um, I think we all collectively recognize what's at stake and, and that we're going to have to be really, disciplined in, in our behaviors to make sure that, you know, we're not putting any individual at risk. We're not putting families at risk, you know, in any undue ways. And um, we have the opportunity uh, to play. So um, it is very much at the forefront of our mind. And as much as we are excited to have the chance to get back together, to compete, to play, and to hopefully win, uh, that the health and safety is going to be at the forefront of all that we do. Eric, because of this unique situation, um, I just wanted to ask a question about uh, your concern over injuries. Yeah. And and do you do you anticipate the probability of more, or how do you handle that? Yeah. Um, it'll be really clear in a month or two, <laughs> which which way this goes. We've we've talked a lot about it, and uh, part of assembling the sixty man group is just to make sure that that we're protected. But yeah, every everyone, you know, it, this is this is something the the physical workloads, the everything we've been through the last few months, and then hitting the gas, going, you know, the, the, this the sprint mindset that I think will likely naturally be there given the length of the season. Um, those are all things we're going to have to be careful. You know, we're going to want to compete to the best of our abilities, but we also have to be as in tune as possible with um, the loads and the stresses that guys are taking on in ways that they might not be accustomed to doing. So um, that's something, again, where it's the trust, the communication, you know, Kevin and, and their group, our trainers are just getting our players comfortable being open and honest with them and knowing we've got, there's a reason we're going to have the extra players out of the gates. And there's a reason we have this extra pool available. And that's to make sure that um, we try to take care of everybody as we go through this. Eric, I know to follow up on the question that Scott asked about um, health, are there any players either on the 40 or among the 60 that you're considering that have, are not going to play for health concerns or have indicated that? Uh, nothing, nothing to this point. And so much of this is just so, so new. Um, you know, it, like I said, we're still waiting to, not, to see the finalized documents and, and the things before we were fully able to move forward here, but no, nothing, uh, nothing at this point, but you know, there's, there's a reason that those rights exist and it sounds like they're going to be in there. And um, if those are decisions that, that are made, then, you know, that's something that we'll fully stand behind and, and, and support. So, like I said, health and safety of our players, uh, their families, and all of those that are involved in this is that's our priority, and we're going to back that up to the fullest. Eric, do you think staying healthy is going to become a competitive advantage this season? Seems like it might be. <laughs> yeah, I think. Look, I, there's there are a lot of incentives. I think to. Um, uh, to take care of one another in this and, and to do what we need to do to be healthy, you know, and, and there's a personal responsibility that comes with that for all of us. And, um, you know, it's, it'd be an economic 
reasons, incentives, be it family incentives, be it personal, whatever it may be, there's a lot of reasons to, to be healthy, be it competitive, obviously, you know. Um, so we're, yeah, it's something we're going to take as seriously as we can. I'd expect everybody to, to look at it that way. And um, if we can follow the protocols, if we can all do our small part to, to limit the, the risk and the exposure to uh, the virus or, or anything else, that, uh, that, that means that we'll be at fuller strength to play games and, and compete. Kevin, looking on the uh, optimistic side of a 60-game season, in what way do you operate? Is your roster constructed at the current time that you think possibly a 60-game season gives you an advantage over the competition? I think it comes back to talent. I mean, we went into the spring training this year, the normal spring, and thinking that we were a talented team, that we, we, we still had room for improvement, but assembled a, a talented group. We built depth that, that allowed for, you know, for those injuries that, that pop up. And, you know, to the question before, when do injuries not play? I mean, health is, is, is always such a huge factor with teams. It correlates with uh, teams and being successful so many times. So um, I, I, it, it always circles back to talent. And, and we feel like we have a talented group. It's up to us to, to, to show that and do whatever we can to keep players uh, and, and everybody around us healthy. Hey, Eric, going back to the, the uh, selection and roster, things like that, do you, do you select a roster differently for a 60-game season than you do for a 162-game season, you think? Um, thankfully, when it comes to the, the opening day roster, um, we've, got, we've got a little time to, to sort through that and to, to see where we are. I think the length of the season, probably less so the primary consideration, I think more so will be – assessing our pitchers and their workloads and uh, you know what what they can carry you know what the starter bolt guys can carry um, every turn you know whether it's five whether you can get by with a five-man rotation bolt group whether you need a six um, whether you need length behind them to you know to piggyback out of the gates etc um, really assessing where our pitchers are physically and what we think that they can responsibly take on I, I think that's likely to be the priority um, at the beginning I think once we're at full strength, guys are stretched out to their usual capabilities. Um, they're, they're conditioned to do their back-to-backs and the things that we ask relievers to do. I think at that point, um, no, I, I mean, longer season, shorter season, you're, you're trying to win the game that night, as, as Kevin said earlier, that day. And I'd anticipate that focus. Each game's going to count a little bit more, you know, with a limited number of games. But, um, you know, our, our mentality and Kevin's mentality managing these games is to do what we need to do to win the game that day. And uh, don't see us straying too far from that. Eric, it looks like the minor league season probably won't happen. I think that's pretty fair to, to assume. But is there a benefit of having some of those prospects that were kind of on the verge of maybe playing in, in, a, in a normal season over the course of 162, kind of having them in that taxi squad? I, I think that's you, – you, you have these, um, like I said, our understanding and it uh, with these 60 spots. Um, you know, the natural to, to think about how to best utilize them all. And do you need 60 spots for 60 games? You know, <laughs> last year it was, you know, we, 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 we had a, a really nice season, but man, I mean, it, 
we, we used 57 players. It was a, it was a grind, but it's like, we've got 60 to play with here. We used 57 last year and seemed like when something could go wrong, it did from a, a health and, and wellness standpoint. But so I think it's easy to, to think about it that way and to be tempted to, you know, put some of these additional roster spots to uses for developmental purposes. But I think it's important at the same time that, that we recognize how talented a team we have right now and our priority, we don't want to, um, we, want, we want to be careful with how we assemble this group, and I think we need to make sure we keep the priority and the focus on doing what we need to do to best fortify our chances to win games this year, first and foremost, and then and then we'll see where we are from there. So those are the kind of discussions, though, that, you know, as, as you raised, like those are things we're thinking about and trying to make the most sense of them right now. And I think race fans should be confident in the way the organization is going to be able to handle coming back. And there's still so many question marks in 60 games. We have no idea what to expect. Um, but Kevin Cash said the, the decisions they make regarding the roster are, are not really going to change in, in terms of, of the way this season's going to go. So it's going to be fun. Baseball's back, and, and this is a different season, but I think it's some, one that will be remembered for a very, very long time. Uh, thank you to Danny Russell for hopping on again today. It's been, I think, three or four episodes in a row that he's been on. And, and don't worry, we're going to make sure that the other voices that have been on in previous episodes and the ones you haven't heard yet are back on Raise Your Voice in the near future. Thank you again for listening. If you subscribe to Raise Your Voice in the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network feed, you'll get new episodes of this show and the hit show downloaded directly onto your device. Make sure to check, check out the great work on DRaysBay.com, and there will be plenty of it with baseball coming back. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time.